Welcome to the Crossing Church Rewind, brought to you by the teaching team of the Crossing Church in Westminster, Colorado, where we dive a little bit deeper and explore a little bit further the ideas and themes shared from this past weekend at the Crossing Church. Be sure to catch up on our weekly sermons by visiting our website, crossingchurch.org slash messages. And as always, at 1030 a.m. Mountain Time, you can check us out on Facebook Live as we stream our services. Well, my name is Pastor Nathan. I am the creative arts and teaching pastor here at the Crossing Church. And joining me this morning to my left is... I am Pastor Mark, and I'm the discipleship pastor here. And to your right, that's me, is uh, Pastor <laughs> Brian and lead pastor and follower of Jesus, but lover of Daniel. That is good. And our speaker from this past weekend, and we dug into a chapter in Daniel about dream interpretation, didn't we? A little Daniel interpreting King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Yes, yes, we did. It was interesting. Well, maybe you can help me. I did have a strange dream last night. Talk to me. For whatever reason, Pastor Leslie, our children and families pastor, who is married to Pastor Mark, they were moving, and I don't know why, mm-hmm. but she had to go first because Pastor Mark had to stay behind to sell their apartment. <laughs> oh. Well, well, it's something you might actually try to do. Yeah, I mean, if, hey, if it gets me money, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing. Let's let's, gotta, let's let's ask Daniel for it some It was help. probably all the right. chili I had before I went yeah. to bed, isn't yeah. it? Wendy's. Wendy's. Well, let's start like this. Since we're talking about dreams, does anybody have, do you have any reoccurring dreams, things that keep popping up uh, throughout your life or different things, Pastor Mark? So I, I actually uh, was really kind of blown away when uh, Pastor Brian, you brought up the the whole falling dream. So because I've had multiple of those, but the worst part is, is I don't wake up when I hit the ground. Mm-hmm. So I actually hit the ground, experience that it's like maybe a minute and then I wake up. That's, so it's just scary. Yeah, it, it's awful. Absolutely awful. That so, sounds terrifying. Yeah. So you, you ask for dreams. That's more of a nightmare. But I think I think I would fall into a Forrest Gump kind of dream. The uh, you know how he runs everywhere, and uh, every once in a while I have these running dreams that I never get to my destination, but I'm always running. Well, that's how I know it's a dream because he's running. Because he's <laughs> hey, oh, hey, wow. Just that was too easy. Strangely enough, I have a reoccurring running dream as well. You're kidding me. I do, but I'm running as hard as I can, but getting nowhere. Like I can't. I feel like I'm running in so hard and pushing at everything, but I'm like moving at a snail's pace in my dream. And this has been consistent since junior high till, I mean, even recently. And I've also had the stereotypical in your underwear in school consistently. This has been a very normal dream, but what's even scarier is it's no longer a nightmare. Now I'm just like, okay, I'm here and this is what I'm dressed in. So let's keep going. (laughs) I don't know if I've overtaken the dream or the dreams (laughs) overtaken me. In this scenario, but uh, pray for me. I probably should see somebody and get a little help on that. I have so much to say here <laughs> in my dream interpreting, but it's kind of like when uh, when you go golfing, and I've golfed with you before, and you actually wear uh, short pants. That It doesn't I, happen often. I know. It hardly ever happens. So maybe if you started wearing shorts more often, you wouldn't have this dream. <laughs> I don't know if that's the thing. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't either. I have strange rules about... I. I I don't like my legs are so I'm so white and skinny. Like it doesn't, uh, it has to be over a hundred degrees outside and I have to be golfing or <laughs> doing some form of physical activity before I'll consider putting shorts on. And I don't know how this is a good segue, but we're going to segue the shorts talk <laughs> and the dreaming that you're in your underwear in a public space into a recap of this past weekend. What does King Nebuchadnezzar do after Daniel does his thing? And I would love, I would love to tell you that that he uh, receives communion and sings the doxology. Well, what happens is, for six months or so, he thinks about it, and then he has the seven horrible years that take place. 
Daniel did this right. He did it with compassion and love. You are not responsible for the other person's response. You are responsible to be obedient and to trust God with the results. Amen? That's tough. That, that lets you know there is some risk in this. And a lot of us don't love risk. Seven years later, Daniel 4.34, after this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned, and I praised and worshiped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting, and his kingdom is eternal. So you see there at the end that Nebuchadnezzar has another moment where he leans in to God. I'm going to tell you, there's going to be another moment that he leans out again. So here's how I want to pray with you to wrap this up this morning. Maybe, just maybe, in, and I want to go in just this way, but maybe you relate at least a little bit to leaning into God and then leaning back out because of control and pride issues. God wants to help you with that. Maybe there's some of you that are wishing you wouldn't have come this morning to church or watched on Facebook Live because now there's some stuff stirring around in your head that says, am I supposed to talk to that person? Am I supposed to share? Is that a God nudge or is that a me nudge? Well, I'm going to say keep working that out. Keep seeking God. Keep trying to figure out and make sure that that's coming from God. So one way or another, as we try to walk in faith and understand what Daniel's doing with the king, we have the, op the opportunity to walk with people and to nudge them with the motive of getting them back on the right path. Sometimes God wants to use us. And we should not shy away from that when he is in the middle of that. I didn't expect to, uh, to actually use the Nebuchadnezzar leaning in, leaning out, uh, so as much as I did this last weekend. But it's, it was interesting to me because, I mean, Daniel and his confrontation is actually the, the main point and how we should wait for that God nudge to do things. But the most response that I feel like I've got in the foyer following uh, some text messages, some emails, some different things has been about relating to Nebuchadnezzar in a way that he, he's sensitive and senses a move of God in his life or in his heart, but then he leans out because his own pride and control issues just get the best of him. And I've had a lot of people respond to me about saying that's they can really relate. It's easy to identify with that story because there's places in all our lives where I mean, that's just the normal as we lean in just a little bit and then something happens or it's our own pride or, and it's easy to lean out. And let's back up just a little bit in that story, just because we talked about dreams right at the beginning of this podcast. Let's, can you set the stage for us and how this, how this led to, how this dream interpretation from Daniel kind of led to King Nebuchadnezzar leaning in? What's a little bit of the backstory for somebody that doesn't know the story as well, or is not familiar with this particular chapter in Daniel? Well, Nebuchadnezzar has this uh, pretty crazy dream about this large tree and animals living around the tree and in the tree, and, and it's very uh, just plush and nice and all those things. And, and he gets, Nebuchadnezzar gets his magicians, 
soothsayers, one of my favorite words, and and other people to try to interpret. And what I what I liked was digging around in here, being a theological wizard. I <laughs> am a theological wizard. <laughs> anyway, always queued up. Yeah, always. Thank you. Always ready. But what I what I enjoyed was as I as I read and and dug into this, there were there's people that say that that these that these magicians and other people that they that they they knew what the dream meant but they didn't really want to tell the king because it was going to be bad news and they were worried for their own life so maybe instead of they couldn't do it they wouldn't do it and and we talked a little bit about that so so interestingly enough they won't do it and daniel then comes in and says basically king i i care about you and i love you enough which i also think is interesting because Daniel knows the backstory that Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem. He, he, he took these people captive, Daniel being one of them. And this is a, this is a situation where it would be seemingly hard to love this guy because he's a power hungry uh, freak. I don't know. And, uh, and he, and he, but he, he loves him. He's been with him now for a long time and he wants to nudge him and, and put him and get him on the right path. So he interprets the dream, even though it's a little scary because the dream is about Nebuchadnezzar and the fact that he's going to go spend seven years uh, doing, uh, basically being a bit insane out in the wild. And when he comes to his senses will be the time when he realize, realizes that the most high God is the real God. Well, and it's interesting because Daniel, essentially because of his faith in God and his convictions and where he stands, has nothing to lose really by telling the truth to Nebuchadnezzar, where the soothsayers or magicians are scared that they've got something to lose and they don't want to lose it. Well, and that's, I mean, just again, so much of, of just daily life and, and, and just, you know, all, all of that, it, we just, we experience this, this whole thing of like, what does it look like to be completely free, to be completely, you know, sold out for God. We talked about that a little bit last week, actually. And, and just this idea of, um, you know, who, who are we, you know, whose are we? And so those that belong to Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, they're, they recognize that if he goes down, they go down with him. And so maybe it's a little bit of self-preservation. Maybe it's a little bit of, you know, other things that are happening there. But then Daniel comes along and says, no, here, here's the truth. Yeah. And I think the reason he can do it is because he, he's had this long-term relationship. I mean, Daniel chapter one, uh, being a theological wizard. I am a theological wizard. It just doesn't doesn't get old. It doesn't doesn't get old. It probably does if you're listening. We we literally had a few people, uh, no one emailed about wanting a t-shirt, but I had a few people that listen to the podcast, find me, text me and let me know, like I would wear a t-shirt if you made one. I would wear one. Well, they, they, they actually, you know, the smart guys that write the fat books, they, they say that, that Daniel was in his teens in chapter one, but he's in his forties in chapter four. So now if you do the math, I'm guessing that's about 30 or so years. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's, that's really man, <laughs> brilliant. Theological yeah. wizard yeah. and a mathematician. Yeah. Genius. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so he's had 30 years of connection and dream interpretation and truly, truly caring about this king. So his relationship is at a point where he, he's developed the, uh, almost the right to be able to confront him with the truth. It's, and it's interesting. Um, I think it's a, it's a way, the way that you pivoted from obviously the story of Daniel to, we don't just read the scripture, but we try to uh, apply it to our context and in our life and how, you know, it's, it's not quite the same. We're not living in a, you know, uh, a land that was taken over by a terrible King and generally I'm not found to be interpreting dreams in those situations and eating only vegetables in prison. But 
How do we <laughs> apply that to our particular life? Uh, give us a little bit. We heard in the recap, you know, these ideas that there are, there are people in our lives that maybe we need a little confrontation with in a good, healthy way. And, and maybe there's some people that uh, either confront too hard or too heavy or, or completely take the opposite side of thing, unlike Daniel, and just bury their head in the sand. Well, first, first of all, it has to be, I made, a, I made it a pretty dip, big deal that this has to be a nudge of God as you're seeking him. You need to feel his nudge to go and confront in love with compassion this person that's going through uh, some, some difficult times. One of the things that Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar after he interprets this dream is, is he didn't say dude, but he could have, dude, <laughs> uh, stop sinning. Yeah. And he, he takes it the little extra mile. He doesn't just interpret the dream. He says, Nebuchadnezzar, your life would be so much better if you would stop sinning and if you would care about somebody besides yourself. And, and there are people that we all know that are that it's just hard to watch. Sometimes, uh, train wreck's a bad way to put it, but you just it's hard to watch what's going on in their life. And, and we're not better than, but we love them and we care about them. And we know what God could bring to their life. And maybe for some reason, they've got off of, off track, off focus. And maybe God wants to use us to nudge them back onto the right path. Well, and I think that's that's so key, this, this idea of this is being prompted by God. Confrontation. You know, when I hear the word confrontation, I freak out a little bit. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm not one who would necessarily shy away from it, but I don't go looking for it. You know, and I think you made the joke, like the people who are all about confrontation, like their hands were raised before you even got done with the question. Like it's, they're ready. They're like, yeah, that's me. And when I asked the question, they raised both hands. Yeah. They're, they're like, hurry up. They're, they're all about it. So it, it's, but that, that negative confrontation, that's not what Daniel's talking about. That's not, that's not what we're hearing in this narrative. It's, this is something that we are prompted by God and this is done out of love. This is done, uh, for, for the betterment of the other, not, not for ourselves, not for, um, you know, I loved you opened up this sermon actually talking about, um, this I language, I language to say, no, it's not about that. It's, it's about God and it's about that work being done through us. Yeah. And it's not, it's not like Daniel just went up to King Nebuchadnezzar without any relationship history and just said, you need to stop sinning. Like, you know, it's not like me finding some random person on Twitter to tell them how wrong they are, which is what Twitter's really it happens for all the time. Yeah. All the time. But he built a relationship. He earned the right to be able to speak into this King's life, right? Through the work he had done through the time he'd put in, it wasn't just him going up to some random person. And, and unfortunately, I think there's some, some bad history in the Christian faith, at least in America of people just feeling it's their place to step into anybody's life to tell them exactly what they're doing wrong and, and how they need to stop sinning. And, you know, you know, the old bullhorn preacher that's on the corner that we've yep. all maybe run into once or twice. But when we read the story, we find that it's Daniel had walked with the King and kind of lived a little bit of life with him, not always in the best circumstances, but earned the right to speak into his life. The last thing that I wanted to do in this sermon was just give people license to go be judgmental and condemning and to just rip people to shreds. Isn't that what we're supposed to do as Christians though? Isn't uh, no, that? no, I'm pretty that's, sure that's in a book of something somewhere. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's not it. But I think it's, it, it's important to realize that even, even Daniel in the scripture, when he was telling Nebuchadnezzar the dream, even right before he started, the scripture said that he had moments that he just, he was struggling. It, he was, he was broken hearted. It was difficult. So I think it's, it's, it's okay. There, there's going to be some amount of risk and any kind of even God prompted, uh, confrontation. Yeah, absolutely. And if there's not risk, then if there's nothing to lose at all, 
then is it worth it? You know, that's the old, it's a, is it Bonhoeffer, the cheap grace, right? Yeah. If there's nothing yeah. worth risking in it, is it really right. faith at all? Sure. Is it a cheap faith? But uh, it's interesting too. I was looking up real quick, you know, this isn't the only time in scriptures that we find somebody interpreting a king's dream, right? You know, the story of Joseph interpreting Pharaoh's dream. There's right. this, again, this idea of uh, building this relationship with this guy and earning the respect enough to speak in that changes things, right? You know, it's not just going up and just beating them over the head with you're a sinner and this is what you're doing wrong. And it is, it is a loving, caring and compassion type of thing where they've walked a little bit with them. And even in their shoes to the point where they go in a loving way, Hey, here's what I've been noticing. Here's how we can change. Here's how life could be better. And I think if we embodied that more in the 21st century as Christians, um, we wouldn't be fighting as much. And I think that confrontation wouldn't be a bad word because it kind of has that ring to it. Well, and and that's really, that was a, a helpful reminder for myself, even just hearing through all of this and, and recognizing, you know, not just the relationship element, but the fact of how long some of this stuff took. You know, I, I think we, uh, in, in this day and age where everything is instant, everything is on the internet, it's a 24 seven news cycle. I mean, we have everything at our fingertips. We expect response and we expect change right away. You know, it, but if, if we're looking at the story of Daniel, I mean, 30 years, I mean, decades before, you know, any tangible change actually happened. And that that's huge. I, I think we, we have to recognize that in that first moment, it may not be an immediate change. It might be something that we're in the long haul for. Yeah. And, uh, I know your particular story, we've worked together for quite a while now, Pastor Brian, but I mean, you told a story of, uh, just praying for your dad for how long and, and not just praying for him, but walking with him and, and talking with him and trying to be that influence with him and, and dig a little bit into that. How long did that take? And what was it like? Well, I, I'm not great with timelines, but I'm thinking 25, 30 years worth of praying and trying to be creatively every single day, you know, Hey God, it's me again. You know about my dad. And uh, interestingly enough, my brother's also in the ministry. So he had, my dad had two sons, but he was not a Christian or a church going kind of guy. So, so it did take a long time. And, and there were times uh, that I wondered if it was ever going to happen and to continue to be in prayer sometimes was to, to persevere was very difficult. And to be honest, some days, some days you just couldn't muster the, the current, there's no, nothing new to say. And, and there were some disheartening moments, but you know, the good news is, uh, my dad, uh, close to the end of his life, he did, he did, uh, begin to understand. And he even asked my brother and I one day, what if, what, if, what if you all are right? Uh, Ooh, that's, then we, a, that's a scary question. <laughs> then we, then, I, then, so we answered pretty, pretty obviously. He said, uh, well, then you should do something about it. And it's really pretty simple, dad. And it was a, a simple prayer of forgiveness and is a beautiful thing to experience. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I think, that knowing that story makes even your final point hit home a little bit harder, you know, and, and I'm, I, I want to read this directly so I get it right. Uh, you are not responsible for the other person's response. You are responsible to be obedient and trust God with the results. And that, I mean, just, oh man, how hard is that? You know, especially, you know, it's one thing if it's a friend or someone, you, you know, an acquaintance, but I mean, your own father, like that's, yeah, that, so... There were definitely moments that it was tough, but, but that's what, that's what I think that's where faith develops. And that's where faith comes from is there's many situations as, as, as a pastor where you're trying to nudge and you're trying to help people to get in the right lane and, and to do things, uh, in God's way. And you just see deception and you just see people just struggling and they just can't seem to, to make a change. 
But the last thing we want to do is like, well, give up on them, move on. Right. Uh, it's a lost cause. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. Whatever. Terrible. I see that even um, in my own life in kind of a silly illustration, you know, taking on this lens of a parent and I'm watching my two-year-old now and he, he doesn't realize that he can't stand up under the kitchen table anymore. And then he can't cut around the Island in the kitchen anymore. And like, I tell him all the time, I'm like, Avery, Avery, come on. I mean, you would not be crying every 20 minutes if you just learned, if you just did this, like, why don't you get it? Just get it. And, you know, I have to sit back and remember sometimes that he's a child. He doesn't yet. And in my faith relationship, sometimes I have to remember that I'm at a different level of faith or maturity than some of the people I'm walking with. And maybe no matter how many times I can tell them, they just don't get it yet. Well, and, th- and that's healthy just to think about the fact that, you know, in the same way that you are a parent to your child, um, you know, and, and you take that into a faith relationship, there are going to be people who, who are not as deep in their faith or, or maybe just are newer to the faith. Um, but also at the same time, we're filling in that same role in the, in the polar opposite with somebody else. You know, there's probably, and, and there should be people in our lives that are able to speak into, into our mistakes and our stupidity and, and just the, the things that we do and say, Hey, you know what? You don't have it all figured out yet either. Yeah. And I was going to, I was going to say that the last thing I want us to sound like is that we're, you know, we're, you know, don't hit the button again, but we're theological <laughs> wizards and, and we're, uh, you know, we, we have it all figured out and Not we don't have close. issues. Right. No. Right. And, and so we have to always be open. Like, like Mark was saying, we have to be open to people speaking into our own lives, but not thinking that we're in some ivory tower and we've got it all figured out. But I do think it's important that there will be times that God will move on us to walk with and share with and talk to and confront in love some people that we that we care about. And we should we should not shy away from that if we know yeah. that God's in it. Because I mean, I'm not a confrontational person either, but when I know that this is what God's doing then I, I don't want to go down a path of disobedience. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm not a confrontational person either. I tend to like sit my, my wife and I are exact opposite. She's got a little bit of redhead in her. Uh, and when we fight this a one, little. a lot, uh, this is <laughs> one of the things that we've had to learn over the years of being married is we fight different, right? Like she's a confrontation person, like boom, right up front. And I'm more of a, hold on, let me pause, walk away, calm down and think, or I'm going to say something really, really stupid. And it turns out even after the pause and the thinking, I still tend to so, say something. Uh, yeah. Where do you, where do you win the argument? I win from? all of my arguments 20 <laughs> minutes later in the shower. Yep. Oh, I wish I would have said that, <laughs> but we have to believe in those moments when we know God is calling us into this idea of confrontation, which again, remember we're trying to remove some of the stigma of that word away because we're doing it in love with somebody we've built relationship with that. God's also going to give us the words and the wisdom in that moment, the things to kind of say and, and, and the person will hear what God wants them to hear. And if we trust that God is nudging us and moving us towards this, it can hurt. It might not go well, but we can't control the result. We can only control our obedience to God. Yeah, and and that's uh, Pastor Brian. You you reference um, Galatians at, at one point in the in this narrative. And and if you're unfamiliar with the story of Galatians, this is you know Paul working with a people who uh, have almost been ostracized because they're they're trying to figure out well, do we also have to be Jewish to be Christian? And so that we're finding that you know Galatians, it's a it's a fairly short book, um, but by the time we get around to this this passage that you read out of chapter six, you know Paul basically says no. 
you, you don't have to be, um, you know, and it's funny in other places in scripture, we actually see he, uh, he runs away from Peter in this moment. Peter actually is kind of, uh, shocked into making a decision that he would actually go back on later in some of his other writing. Um, but you know, ultimately what Paul is saying here is, you know, err on the side of love, you know, in the midst of this, um, you know, they no longer fall under the law of Moses. They now instead fall under the law of Jesus. And that's, that's really, that's what we're talking about here. You know, there's, there's laws, there's things. And, and because let's be honest, confrontation usually comes about because of something that someone did or, or a particular action or, or, or things like that. Um, but ultimately what does it look like to, to be confrontational in a positive way using the law of Jesus instead? Yeah. So there, there is definitely going to be some risk, but, but I'm actually getting to the point. I don't know if it's because I'm 56 and way older than you guys, but I, I would way, rather, older. way older. Yeah. Well, whatever. But I would, <laughs> I would, I would regret. I mean, I actually feel like the regret I would have of not getting involved or confronting in love some situation. I would really, really feel bad and have regrets if I didn't do it. And God was, if God's ordaining it, then he's, that's part of the plan. And I don't want to, I don't want to regret later, man. I wish I would have. And then yeah. I didn't. Well, and the hope is restoration in all this, right? It's not just, Hey, I'm going to confront you. I'm going to come punch you in the mouth. And this is what you need to do. Right. And this is what you need to change. But it's, Hey man, I'm noticing these things in your life and I'm here to walk with you through that, or I'm here to help you in any way you need. It's not just, Hey, here's a list of the things you're doing wrong. And, and here's what you need to change. But it is offering help as well. Like, Hey, if you see this and you're seeing this problem, I can, I can help. I can walk with you. We can offer this support. We can do these things together. But, you know, so many times we confront and then and just turn around and walk away and leave them on their own to, to do the work. When I think we're called in love to kind of do the work with those people. Well, well and, I, and I think if we were to confront them and just walk away, I think we could, we probably would all agree that's not from God. You know, exactly. that's, that's, we are, whether it's our reasoning or our purpose, whatever it might be, I think we would say that that is not something that God would uh, compel us to do. It, it is that journey. Um, you know, and, and again, we talked about this even last week. It's funny how, you know, theological themes keep popping up. You know? I am a theological <laughs> wizard. I never tire of pressing that button. No, yeah. One of these I days do. we're going to, we're going to take that power away from you, but but yeah, it's, it's just this, this idea of um, not just doing life together, but, but getting better together. You know, it, it's, it's yeah. just that that's the crux of it. That's the whole purpose. And I think even people outside of this whole thing we call faith and this Christian faith get that idea uh, of getting better together. Like they're not enjoying anybody, religious or non-religious, just point a finger and say, this is what you need to do. But they really enjoy the sense of community and walking through these things together. And speaking of a community that needs to confront right now, uh, maybe even an intervention is necessary. Can we talk about our connecting pastor, Pastor David, <laughs> and and his zoo and his zoo at his house? Uh, how many animals does he have, Pastor? I use this as an illustration. Well, I use it as an illustration that sometimes, just in fun, you need to have an intervention with people that just seem to have enough diversity in their pets that you have to do something. Pets is he, a strong term, has, I think. He has his three dogs, which, okay, that's that's a lot of dogs, but that's not uh, totally crazy. But then you add a snake 
No. And a rat. Did they not read Genesis? And a lizard. You can't own snakes as pets. They are evil. Okay. Snakes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the and I, I told this story, but the, the, the rat actually, uh, <laughs> it was lived. snake food. It was snake food. And it was in the, it was in with Penny, the Python. And, and, <laughs> and that's a true story. And, uh, and, and so it's in there and it doesn't get, it doesn't get eaten. And pastor David just has such a compassionate heart that he takes the rat out and develops a bond with the rat and makes it a pet, buys a cage and names it Lazarus. That's hilarious. It's like the lion will lay down with the lamb or the, the rat the, will lay down yeah. with the snake. It is the year of the rat according to the Chinese calendar. So maybe maybe Bach is on to something. So yeah. you can uh, you can pray for Pastor David and please don't send any more animals his way. This isn't the first time they've adopted a rat either. Do you remember like I think it was four or five years ago at a staff Christmas party, our then children's pastor's husband brought a rat in a, in a little plastic cage as a white elephant gift. Oh my goodness. And when we opened it, of course there was a little bit of screaming, but then <laughs> pastor David's wife, when it was her turn, stole it like absolutely 100% without pause stood up and went, I want that. And they adopted that rat five years ago. And it, this, this zoo, this menagerie of animals at their house, <laughs> solid word. I yeah, know I like 10 points. That's it's really good in Scrabble. If you can put it on oh, a double man. word score menagerie, I couldn't spell it for you right now though, <laughs> if I tried, but yeah, there, there's an intervention that needs to take place. And, uh, also there was a few interventions this week, um, revolving the, the scandal that happened to be, I'm wearing new glasses and a lot of people weren't happy with them. In fact, well, you weren't happy initially. So literally last week, right before we started recording the podcast, we checked our phones to make sure that they were on silent. And I had an email, so I opened it up and it was from uh, the glasses company. And they had said in an attempt to replace my lenses, they broke my red glasses. I was bringing that Sally, Jesse, Raphael back. Just going to go there. I know. I've had them for three and a half, almost four years, and they game became such a look for me, and I, and I loved it. And if you could see me now, you'd go, no, never mind. But I broke my glasses, and I have these new pair that I'm wearing, and I was so excited to get them because they're kind of funky. They're a little seventies ish, and uh, I showed them to <laughs> I showed them to my daughter, and she goes, "Oh, I like those. They look like grandma glasses." <laughs> She's not wrong, <laughs> right to the heart. But then. Then after the worship set finishes and I'm walking off stage, I'm kind of walking back to the green room. I hear from the distance. Well, I just, I said, thank you, Pastor Nate for sharing such and such. And then I said, uh, is, was that Pastor Nate or was that Napoleon Dynamite? But my lips hurt real bad. <laughs> <laughs> Our sound tech this week, uh, I walk in and he's just looking at me. He doesn't say a word. Uh, he's just looking at me with these new glasses and he kind of ticked, uh, tilts his head just a little and goes over and gets the iPad from the sound booth and just to see him typing a little bit. And he turns it back around and it's just a picture of Dwight Schrute. <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect. And I love it. And even right now, this is our second meeting together today. You still and, don't and, like and him. And I look at you. No, it's not that I don't like him. All I'm, I'm, not, look, off. I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at the glasses. <laughs> looking at the glasses. Yeah. I got a face for radio, so it's yeah. really good. Well, let's get ready to wrap things up as we do. Let me ask you one silly question to end the podcast. Strangest animal you've ever owned or think you would like to own? Oh, man. Um, so when I was in high school, I owned tropical fish, which that's not super so, weird. Not terrible. Um, except I had, uh, they're, they're a, a species called Cory catfish. And they're, they're tiny little, tiny little fish, like maybe two inches long. Um, but they got so comfortable with me that when I was cleaning out the tank, I actually could pet them. 
So they would swim right up to me and I could just kind of give them a little scratch on the forehead and then they'd swim away. Just so little, I'm just imagining just like you a little <laughs> boop on the nose. And, I mean, that, that's really what it was. So they're, they're, they're pretty adorable, adorable little things. So there you go. We're just going to move on from that. Yeah. I'm just going uh, spider monkey. <laughs> that, somebody in the church owned a spider monkey. We had this wonderful social media post. If you, if you haven't liked our, our Facebook page, the crossing church CO do so we have some fun with our social media at times, as well as giving you information. But we posted this question about what's one thing you think you're the only person in the church to have ever done. And we had one of our, our congregants right back. I owned a spider monkey at one time. And the only thing I can think of in my head is Ross from friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And that's why I'm jealous. That's I read that and I'm like, I want one of those. You want a spider monkey? A little bit better than Kiki? Or um, <laughs> don't get me started. That's not a dog. That's, that's, you could feed Kiki to uh, Princess to Penny or yeah, whatever. Right? The I'm spider. sure Baca would love it. <laughs> so I don't. I don't know if I have a strange animal. We did the gerbil and the guinea pig and cats and dogs types of things, but I've always wanted to have a pet otter, and I don't know why. Mm, okay. Did you know when um, when otters sleep? They, they hold hands so yeah. that they won't float away it's, from it's each a, other. It's adorable. It's like the sweetest little thing that, that you could ever think seems of. Seems right up your alley. It does, doesn't it? And these glasses. I like it when uh, your sensitive side comes out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm tearing up behind these big 70s frames right now just yeah. a little bit. Well, we have uh, had a good time together today. We've talked a lot, uh, and we'd love to interact with you. If there's any way that you can, you know, uh, leave a comment on a Facebook post. If you can email us at podcast.crossingchurch.org. Just let us know that you're listening and that you're hopefully laughing along with some of our insanity. We do apologize for Pastor Mark today. He is uh, running on what? Just three hours of sleep? Three hours of sleep. In fact, uh, when I woke up this morning, I was in a different country. So You you flew from Canada to be here. Yeah. And yeah just, for this. Just, just for this. Just for this. You're just catching, to see you guys. Catching a flight after this back to Canada. Oh, uh, no. Uh, yeah. That's the last, last <laughs> so, time I take a 6 a.m. flights. So. Oh, man. That is tiring. Well, we thank you for uh, keeping your mental wits about you for most of this if podcast. If you could call it that. <laughs> if you could call it that. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Crossing Church Rewind. And as always, you can find more information about our church at crossingchurch.org. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Or if you have any questions or comments, you can email us at podcast at crossingchurch.org. If you'd like to financially support the ministries of this church, you can do so online at crossingchurch.org slash give. Thanks again for listening this week. We do hope you'll subscribe and maybe share this podcast around a little bit. Grace and peace. But my lips hurt real bad.